Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Okay, let me, all right, I got to ask this question. Any, anybody get like a full eight hours of sleep? Like I slept like, like I slept like a rock. Anybody sleep like a rock, like just knocked out, like done? Uh, all right, who slept like a baby? Woke up every hour and cried. Who was that? That was most of you. That was most of you. Okay, fair enough. Any, anybody less than, less than four hours? Who's less than four hours? That's, come on now, guys. That's just irresponsible. Less, less than two? Less than two? Less than an hour? You were just trying at that point. You were just staring at the clock going, come on, I'm just counting the minutes. All right, we're going to wake up a little bit, shake it up, okay? We're going to dig into the words, so we've got to get focused. Let's see if you guys can have still got this word wave down, all right? But instead of going side to side, we're going to go, we're going to go front to back. All right, we're going to go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we're going vertical, like what? All right, front, front to back, all right? Hopefully you guys remember this, all right? So I'm counting on the front row here. Are right, you ready? We'll do, we'll do the, the count of two. One, two, go. Yeah, y'all took sleeping pills or something because yesterday it was like a word tonight to this morning. All right. Okay. All right. Well, let's try it again. Try it again. Back to front. Back to front. All right. Ready? Uh, count of, uh, count of 11. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Go. There we go. That was so much better. That was like, that wasn't like the, the, the first drop on the roller coaster. That was like the second drop. The what? Okay. Um, so let's, let's dig in here. Excited to, to get in the word this morning. Uh, where we landed last night, kind of laying that, that framework, that foundation, looking into uh, creation, the fact that God breathed out. He spoke into existence out of nothing, everything seen and unseen. But for you and I, he gets hands on with skill. We are his workmanship. But in this, we get this kind of backwards understanding of freedom and we need it redefined is that God desires us to live in freedom, but that does not mean a a life without limits. That does not mean a life without limits because guys, ultimately what we desire, what we crave is a world without limits. We want to get up and say, man, job. Oh, there we go. Right back. Okay, good. Uh, we get up and we say, man, I want the dream job. I want the dream house. I want a limitless life. I want a limitless life. And uh, I showed you, you guys did so good, like responding to those beautiful pictures of my kids. Um, but uh, when my oldest, Elliot, was younger, uh, we had this porch area space. You know, you walked in our front door and you kind of walked down this hallway, kitchen, back porch, and there was a sliding glass door. And we baby proofed the heck out of that porch. You know, all the, all the outlet plugs and the cables are tied up. All the sharp edges are covered. And then my wife and I, we would spend time together as a family out on that back porch. And we would close the sliding glass door and the three of us are out there and we're playing together, having a good time. But then what would happen is my son would be completely content in that room, shut into that space. But as soon as either my wife or I stepped out of that room, he would watch us open the door, leave the room, and shut the door. He would lose his ever-loving mind. 
And it was like World War III had just begun, and he would just freak out. And what's so interesting to me is that my son didn't recognize the limits that were placed on him until he, some, he saw somebody else go past them. And I want you guys to think about something. Some of you are at this really interesting position in life where you were, maybe you were raised in church. I talked about this yesterday a little bit. Maybe you were raised in church and you're getting into the season where you're discovering a little bit more freedom. You're discovering a little bit more flexibility in your schedule. And a lot of you were raised to know and believe certain things. But the problem is, is like my son, you're starting to see some of your peers open the door and leave the room. And you're starting to see some of your peers wander into unhealthy relationships. And you say, oh man, well, why did they get to break those limits? Why can't I break those limits? Why is it that they're allowed to push past these boundaries that I've been taught to follow? Why can't I try out those things? And we start to get frustrated with the limits that have been placed on us, with the boundaries that have been placed on us, and we think, no, I want to I go out and I want to explore. Because the reality is, is at first glance, a world without limits sounds pretty good. At first glance, a world without limits sounds pretty good, but no limits means no boundaries, and no boundaries means no safety because what my son didn't realize was outside of that porch, outside of that glass door, the rest of those spaces, they weren't really baby-proof. So the stove could have been on, the outlets could have been out in the open. There could have been cables all over the floor. And we were ultimately making that decision to limit him within that space for his protection and for his safety. And some of you guys are watching your friends wander outside the boundaries and wander into porn and think, well, it's not that dangerous. I can wander into that world. Or you're seeing your peers wander into this craving and desiring of pride and arrogance and, and difficulty and frustration of the perfect look or the, or the best attire. And you think, oh man, I can, I can wander into that that. that that world, I can go past these boundaries and find my fulfillment in other people's opinion of me. And what happens is as we wander outside of those boundaries and outside of those limits, we start to stumble into a world that we're not fully aware of. Something that we have not fully grasped. Now, where we concluded our time last night like I said, is that God's definition is very different. God's definition is very different than the one that we have come to know through just kind of our Google, our Google search on what freedom is. But ultimately, God's definition of freedom, as we get them from his word, comes down to being freed from something. That we're already bound in something. The reality is, is that you and I are born into bondage. We're born into chains. And here's where I want to dig in. I want us to jump in and talk about this cancer, this asthma, this disease that has come into God's beautiful creation and begin to choke it out. So I'm going to look at Genesis 3, and we're going to talk about the fall. And if some of you don't know the story, what ends up happening is you have this angel who says, I like this idea of being limitless. I like this idea of being worshiped. And he falls. He's cast out of heaven. We know him as Satan. 
or the devil. And he steps into perfect paradise, the Garden of Eden, and he beckons Adam and Eve to say, hey, stray outside those rules God gave you. Come take a walk over here with me where there's no limits because you'll see and know just as God sees and knows. You two will be limitless. It's pretty nice. Come check it out. And Adam and Eve unleash ramifications they never could have fathomed. And I want to look at some of those. Genesis 3, starting in verse 17, says this. Now what had happened is God comes into the garden. And it says that God was coming in the cool of the day. And he sees that Adam and Eve, who once came out and greeted him and had conversation with him, now they're hiding away. And he says, what, what happened, guys? What uh, what went wrong? And God, being full-knowing, all-knowing, sovereign, he knows what, what went down, what happened. And he says, okay, we got a problem. We got an issue we got to address here. And he goes to Satan and he curses him. And he says to him, he says, you're going to crawl on your belly the rest of the days of your life. I'm going to put enmity between my offspring and your offspring. And he basically, from the very beginning, he plants this seed, this idea saying, this is the closest you're ever going to get to defeating me, Satan. But one day, you're going to be defeated, you're going to be crushed, and my people are going to have victory and they're going to have freedom. And then he turns to the woman. And he turns to Eve and he says, Eve, because of you, I'm going to greatly multiply your pain and childbearing and pain and suffering. You're going to bring forth children into the world. And then he turns to Adam. In verse 17, he says, And Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now guys, like I said, we look at that biblical definition of freedom in that Greek word eleutheros. It means to be freeborn, to be one who is not a slave, not bound in that Hebrew word kafash, to be set free. And that's where we landed last night. What is that thing we need to be set free from. Man, getting tripped up in my words too early in the morning. What is that thing I need to be set free from? And that thing is sin because the reality is is that we have been born into sin. We have been born into chains, into bondage. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, through the actions of Adam. Remember, what did he say? I want you to work it and keep it. I want you to watch over it. And you didn't do that job, Adam. The one job I gave you to do, you did not accomplish. So because of you, through one man, death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. So you and I, being guilty of sin, have been born into bondage. And then Romans 5, 19. For as by the one man's disobedience... The many were made sinners. So you and I have been born into bondage. This is the thing that God says, I need to free you from this. 
That's the freedom I'm talking about. I need to redeem you out of sin. Now, the concept of sin, sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes we make it way too simple. But again, guys, as we dig into the word, his word is truth and it does not return void. And it clarifies and it brings, it brings light to the things that we don't understand. And I want to boil this down to the concept that sin simply means to miss. The Hebrew word for sin is kata. You love Hebrew. It sounds like you're spitting every time you get to say a word. Um, but the Hebrew word for sin, it means kata. It means to fail or to miss the goal. And it comes down to having complete and perfect precision in hitting the bullseye. That Hebrew word for sin, kata, it pops up in Judges 2016. It talks about these men of the tribe of Benjamin who could sling a stone at a single hair and not kata, not miss. But then also, also in Psalm 19.2, it talks about be careful on your journey that you do not kata your way, that you do not miss your way. So guys, what sin comes down to is missing that perfect bullseye, the, the standard of which God has placed on us, and that standard is perfection. Say, I want you to live in perfect unity and perfect harmony with me. Because remember, what did he say to Adam and Eve? I've got a job for you to do, I've got a rule for you to follow, and if you stay within that, you're going to live in perfect unity, perfect harmony with me. So now, as soon as we step outside of those boundaries, outside of those limits, we are in sin. We have missed that bullseye. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. Because I don't know about you guys, but I was raised to believe the idea of sin is just doing bad things. When we do something God doesn't want to do, that's sin. But guys, I want you to, to, to track with me here the way that the word sin is used in the Bible. Even within the story of Cain and Abel, you got two brothers. One brings an offering to the Lord and the other does just a little bit better. Because Abel says he brought his best to the Lord. And his brother Cain didn't exactly give his full effort. And God favors Abel over himself, and he gets jealous. And God says to Cain, he says, beware. Sin is crouching at your door. It wants you. And sin because, becomes this all-consuming force that wants to make, make us prisoners in this life. And if we jump over to the New Testament, that Greek word, hamartia, that we are drawn towards sin. It pulls us and tugs us in the direction of wickedness. We become slaves to sin. Paul describes this concept of being a slave to sin. We become a slave. We become enchained to our wrong desires and our wrong thinking. And we find ourselves wrapped up and bound up in our sin. Now, I, I want to kind of Step over here for a minute and talk about something because here's the tricky part. When we talk about sin and we talk about the fact that this evil has come and, and poisoned the world. I mean, think about what God says to Adam. Thorns and thistles the world's going to bring forth because of you. So the fact that we have natural disasters and diseases, all these different things, are a response of sin coming into the world. And we look at that and say, what are you doing, God? 
You're supposed to be this all-powerful, all-loving God, so why can't you just make it safe? If, if no limits means no boundaries, and no boundaries means no safety, we'll just make it safe, and then I can live in a world without limits. Can he just get rid of natural disasters and diseases? Why can't he just stop evil? Why do these things even have to exist? Why do I have to have limits on me to protect me from the evil in the world? Can't he just get rid of the evil and then I can live limitlessly? And here's what's tricky. Here's what's difficult. Is that each and every one of us walk through life and we experience some things that if we had the choice, we'd probably elect for it not to have happened to us, right? And what happens is we end up walking through life kind of challenging God, questioning God. You know, this past November, this past November was the, the four-year anniversary of my, my wife's mom passing away after she battled cancer for about three years. And that was a really difficult and, and trying season for, for my wife and I as we were trying to process a lot of things. Just feelings of being angry with God. And my mother-in-law, she loved Jesus. So you think, come on, God, why, you know, why couldn't you heal her cancer? Why, you know, she loved you. She served, I, don't, I don't get this. This doesn't make sense to me. And we, we wrestle with that question of, of why, why couldn't you stop this? And as we wrestled for a couple of months, because, you know, when we're, we're complaining and griping at God, like, why are you letting this happen to me? When we finally stopped whining and complaining long enough, it's as if God was kind of standing there waiting, like, okay, you done? Are you done, are you done whining? Is it my turn to speak yet? And after a couple months, we finally quieted our spirits enough to give the Lord the room to respond. And what he brought to my mind was the story of Job. And if you don't know the story of Job, Job was this guy he had a big family. He had a lot of possessions. He had all these servants and massive flocks. Like, he was a wealthy dude. But in this narrative, in this story, what happens is Satan comes to God, and Satan says, God, I've been all around your creation, and uh, you, uh, you don't have too many all-stars out there. And God says, but have you seen my man Job? And Satan says, yeah, but that's because you blessed him, because you gave him all this stuff. And God says, okay, go take away his stuff. Go take away his family, but don't hurt him. And through a series of events, Job loses everything. And one day, he like rips his shirt off, and he's, he covers himself in dirt, and he says, from the dust I came to the dust I shall return. He references that curse in Genesis 3. And his friends show up and they sit with him for a while and then they start kind of talking and chattering. And Job ends up landing at this place of, God, what are you doing? Where did I go wrong? Why did I mess up? And for about 30 chapters in the book of Job, they just go back and forth and back and forth of, you must have messed up, God, you know. And after all the complaining, after all the complaining, where were you, God? Where were you? When this storm killed my family. And I felt like Job in those moments. Saying, God, where were you? 
when my mother-in-law was in that hospital. Why didn't you show up? In the mo- Why didn't you step into the room in a supernatural way and stop me from pulling up pornography on my phone? Why didn't you come in in those moments and encourage me when I was thinking about killing myself? Why did you allow me to be sexually assaulted? God, where were you? Why didn't you show up? And I wrestled and, and kind of griped and complained with God through all these different situations and seasons, and maybe some of those things or seasons and situations resonate with you. And in Job 38, God answers. This isn't on the screen. I just want you to listen in for a moment. It says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And he says, who is this? That darkness counsel by words without knowledge. Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. So God comes to Job and he says, where the heck is this coming from? Are you done with your interrogation, Job? Because I got some questions for you now. And it's like, it's about to go down. Listen to what God says to Job. He says, where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it bursts out from the womb? When I made cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said thus far shall you come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stayed and what God is describing he's saying the raw power of creation where were you when I was setting all this up for you have you commanded the morning since your days began Almost God saying, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were in charge, Job. And caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare it if you know all this. And God challenges Job and says, listen, I put this together. And I understand you don't realize what I'm doing right now. But you have to trust that if I described and commanded the limits of all of creation, don't you think I can handle your life and your drama and your issues and your setbacks and your failures and shortcomings and all the junk you have to deal with? Because God says this in Matthew 5, 45. Jesus says the sun rises on the evil and the good. God sends rain on the just and the unjust. In John 16, Jesus says, I have said these things to you 
that in me you may have peace because in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So guys, I need you to hang with me here. Don't tune out. That in God's limitless power, he creates and establishes the world. And then because of our sin, we have brought a curse upon ourselves. Now track with me here. God's driving force for humanity and for our existence is love. To love him and to love each other. The great commandment, Matthew 22, 34 to 40. says, love me, love people. I want you to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Against these commandments, there is none greater. So when we wrestle this question, why can't God make it safe so then we can live limitlessly? Because love at its core demands evil, and that's uncomfortable. Because ultimately what God wants with us, he doesn't want a robotic response. He says, I want to love you, and I want to be loved by you. And for love to exist in this world, love demands free will. And free will demands choice. And for there to be choice, there has to be options, right? The options placed before you and me are good and evil. The options placed before me, before you, are good and evil. So when we look at the world and say, God, why didn't you stop this from happening? What we're ultimately saying is, God, I want you to take away my options. I want you to take away my choice. And he says, I I can't do that. I can't take away your free will because if I take away your free will, then this relationship can't exist. If I take away evil, I take away your options. If I take away your options, I take away your choices. I take away your choices, I take away your free will. If I take away free will, I take away love. And all that's left for you is to just robotically respond. And that's not the life I want for you. And we wrestle and we struggle in the bondage of sin. So, so what's his plan? If this is the life I have to live in, what's, what's the plan? Because for God to remove all evil instantaneously, it would not be just and it, not, it, it wouldn't be loving. And we would be stuck in this life where we just have to, yep, just fall in line and do whatever he says, and he says, that's not, that's not the relationship I want. I want you to choose me as I have chosen you. I want you to love me as I have loved you. So he decided another plan. You know, in that video, it talked about the ramifications of Jacob's choices. But then ultimately, he chose he chose to turn back to the Lord, to wrestle with God and say, no, 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 I'm not going to let go until I walk away blessed. Because Jacob wrestled with God. And God says, all right, it's time to, time to tap out, Jacob. And he knocks his hip out of place. But Jacob hangs on. He says, I'm going to wrestle with you until you bless me. And Jacob made a choice. Well, here's God's choice. God chose to bring freedom to us. 
but not our definition of freedom, his. He is choosing to bring freedom to you and to me, but it's his definition of freedom. A freedom that's redefined, but the problem is freedom ain't free. Comes at a price. So what we have to wrestle with and dig into tonight is what's the price tag? If freedom ain't free, what's the price tag? So I know I've left you guys a lot to process with. And in a minute, you're going to have the opportunity to go to small groups and discuss some of these things. And I know that right now, might not be able to see the big picture. But I promise you this, until you can wrestle with your hurt, until you can wrestle with your pain, until you grab hold of the difficulties you've experienced, until you wrestle with those things, you are never going to be able to walk away blessed. And that wrestling, that grappling, it's not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. But guys, I cannot even begin to describe the amazing love and grace and mercy and beauty of God that awaits you on the other side of that wrestling. So I plead with you, I beg you, hang on just a little longer. Don't tap out. Grapple with that pain. Wrestle with those difficulties. Those difficult questions of where were you, God? Because we all need to come to a place where we stop whining, we stop complaining, and we get quiet. And we listen for God to answer. And I promise you this, he will answer. And the only thing that awaits us on the other side of that is freedom, is blessing, is love, is the mercy and the kindness and the grace and the goodness of all who God is. Because being chained up hurts. Being in prison isn't pleasant. But we have to remember is God's not the one who put us there. We did. With our sin. Our choices. But man, praise God, even though we put ourselves in prison, it's not our responsibility, it's not our job to break ourselves out of prison. Oh, I'm excited for tonight. Guys, let's pray together. Father, you tell us in your word that in this life you will face trouble. In this life, sickness runs rampant. In this life, pain and difficulty are going to affect us. But praise you. It says in your word, we have a great high priest who in every way has been tempted as we are tempted. He, he gets it. He understands it. 
And God, in our hurt, in our frustration, in our difficulty, your heart breaks for us. And you see us in pain, in the prison of our sin. And you come and you break us out. You bust open those prison doors and you set us free. What an amazing moment, what an amazing day that is when we get to walk out of that jail cell in freedom. But God, I ask that as these students go into small groups, it's gonna be uncomfortable, it's gonna be difficult, but God, help them to wrestle with their pain, to wrestle with their choices, to wrestle with the disappointments they've experienced in life. And that you would give them the determination, you would give them the strength to wrestle with you and hang on and walk away blessed, that they wouldn't tap out, that they wouldn't give up in that struggle because on the other side of that is blessing. So Lord, we thank you for our time together, our time in the word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.